Hello everybody, so today I have invited Eric Shio, who is a, video, a photographer and videographer in Edmonton, very talented, and the reason I wanted to have him on is because he's achieved quite a bit at a young age uh, with the video business and all that stuff, photography, so I wanted to have him on so you can hear his story, his life story, and how he got to where he is. Well, introduce yourself. Awesome, Brett. Thank you so much for having me on. Um, I really appreciate you taking the time to invite me onto the podcast and and have me here. Like, I understand that you're really elevating the real estate experience, and it's something that um, I appreciate and I try and also do it with my work. Um, so I'm I'm an adventure lifestyle photographer um, and filmmaker based here in in Edmonton, Alberta. And in 2016, I began capturing photo and video content, um, both like personally and, and professionally and I try and surround my work with nature and um, sort of capturing like candid moments that I share with friends um, and I kind of I thrive on like pushing myself to the limit and engaging in new activities that are sort of outside my comfort zone and constantly like learning um, all the time from new like activities and and that kind of thing um, and I, I hope like to just encourage other people to get outdoors um, and explore for, for themselves you know and just be inspired and, and just enable people um, and, and provide some knowledge or assistance like getting into the outdoors and, and sort of finding themselves and um, and yeah and just enjoying that experience um, whether it be by themselves or um, with others so yeah wow that was a really stellar introduction Okay, so we'll start with where were you born? So I was actually born um, in the Bay Area uh, in California. So I, I was born sort of kind of near San Jose area. Mm -hmm. And I lived there for about two years um, and my parents got divorced. And so my mom came back to Canada um, where she was originally from. And then I came back with her. And so, um, so I didn't get to spend much time in in like San Jose area because I was two years old, right? So I didn't really experience yeah. much of it. Um, but I had a great relationship with my father and my mother. So I did go um, back and forth a lot pretty much every year throughout my childhood. And I ended up, um, my mom uh, started dating uh, a guy who was in the military. And so we started moving around Canada lots. And then I was going to the U.S. a lot to visit my dad. Um, so it was a pretty complicated childhood, you know, constantly moving. Um, it was hard to like maintain friendships for long periods of time because every year basically I was moving. And so you're constantly meeting new people, um, which is great in, in many aspects, but it's also quite challenging because you can't, you know, build like long lasting relationships um, with, with different people who, who you really enjoy, you know, being around. Uh, but just because you have the distance thing, you know, it doesn't really sort of work out um, the best. But yeah, that was sort of my early childhood, I guess, um, up until around my teenage years. We ended up settling into Edmonton because my mom was originally from here. And so um, it just seemed the most natural for her. And um, yeah, so I've been here for quite a few years now. Um, and I stopped going back to the U.S. around when I was 18 just wow. because I, I started to get so busy, you know, with work and everything. Um, so making that annual trip out for, you know, mm -hmm. a couple months was just like a little too much, you know, when you're trying to balance like working and mm -hmm. um, and yeah, it's just expensive, you know, to fly yeah. down to the U.S. And, and stay somewhere and, you know, that kind of thing. So um, throughout my I guess my teen years, like in high school, as soon as I turned 14, you know, I got my first job wow. and uh, I was just like really ready to work, you know, because um, I, I was I was really into skateboarding and snowboarding and I've always been 
very passionate. I'm like, I'm a really passionate person. So mm-hmm. if I get into something, like I'm fully engaged in it, right? And so yes. um, with skateboarding and everything, I was like so into it. And I was like, you know what? I'm 14. I'm going to get a job at a skateboard shop. So <laughs> I started working at a small skateboard shop in uh, West Edmonton Mall. And uh, I, I absolutely loved it. Like it was the greatest wow. thing, you know, I was making money and at such a young age, like none of my friends were working and stuff. So it was- uh, At 14? At 14, yeah, oh, wow. yeah. So it was like, cause that's like the, the legal limit, you know, of Must like how- Must have been how, hard to pull that off. It, it, I, yeah, I mean, I don't know, like I just went and I applied and they called me back and, you know, and then wow. I just started working and like, I was super passionate about skateboarding and, and that was like my dream, you know? And so, um, yeah, like I just, I just went out and, and I was nervous. Obviously I was 14. I didn't really know much about the process or mm-hmm. even getting income, like, you know, bank accounts, that yeah. kind of thing. So it was, it was a little bit scary at the time. Um, and everyone I was working with was, you know, way older than me and stuff, but it was just nice to be able to make money. And, and that's sort of how I got into photography. Cause I didn't really come from like a super rich family or anything, you know, like my, my mom was like, we, we were a military family and stuff moving mm-hmm. around constantly. Right. So, um, and, and like, I, I grew up with like relatively strict parents. So, um, if I wanted anything, you know, I would have to get it myself. Um, and like, I didn't have like a phone or anything, you know, like for my parents, it was like, when you're 18, that's when you can get a cell phone, you know? Right. So, you know, I was working, I didn't even have a cell phone. Right. Like it was pretty, it was a lot like different times back then, you know, Mm -hmm. the internet wasn't so popular, you know, like it was, it, it, it was just a really different time, you know, social media was very different. Like, yeah. So it was just, it was a really interesting time to kind of be in the workforce and and I was kind of like maturing at a different rate than my friends were just like working and surrounding myself with older people and stuff right so um it really sort of changed my mindset and and getting into like sales and trying to upsell and commissions and that kind of thing right so um so yeah like with with that I I got into um photography and videography which is what I'm doing now, right? And so um, just with skateboarding and everything, like I loved it so much. And a lot of the people that I was skateboarding with, um, they were a lot better than me at it. Uh And so I thought, you know, how can I like sort of improve the experience for me, especially in the long term, like if I'm not going to be a pro skater, right? Because like, you know, I was like 14 and I could see like, okay, obviously I'm not going to be a pro skater, right? Like that, like I'm not good enough and, you know, It's just not, it's not for me. And so I was, I was looking at different aspects of it and I was like, you know, like selling skateboards is probably not what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. And I'm not going to be a pro skater, but you know what, like filming and photography, like seems really interesting. You know, like I I would always watch, like with, um, we'd get together with our friends and we'd watch the new skateboard videos that come out and that kind of thing. And, and they would fascinate me, you know? And I was like, this is really cool. You know, skateboarding itself is quite a creative sport. Like it's really an art and it's something, you know, you do on your own, right? It's not like a team sport. There's no rules. It's really like expressive. And so, um, photography also shares those same traits where it's very like, it's a, it's an art, right? And so, um, it came very natural to me where I was like, you know what, photography and video is where, you know, is where it's at, right? So um, I started like saving up my money from the skate shop so wow. that I could get a camera, right? So I, I, I just kept working and working and, you know, trying not to buy like stupid things that you want to buy when you're 14, <laughs> yeah. you know, like 
fast so food and, and clothes and stuff, Relatable. right? So yeah, yeah. So after I saved up a little bit of money and I was pretty frugal about what I was buying because I was I was so you know ready to get a camera. You know, I got like a used GoPro or whatever, and then. You started with a GoPro. Yeah, right? I started with a GoPro. And I I mean it was terrible quality. It was like the first GoPro, you oh, know, wow. so it was it was horrible. But I mean I loved it. Like to me it was the greatest thing that I could have, you know. So I was so excited about it. And, you know, as things progressed and I, I learned more about cameras through the GoPro, um, I just started like researching different camera models and seeing like what are other people using, what are like the pros using, you know, and and then I ended up getting like a Canon T3i type thing and I was buying like a used one and, and I was like 14 so I didn't know, or maybe I was 15, I didn't know much about cameras and I didn't know, you know, sort of like pricing and stuff and I was buying used. So I think I got, I got scammed a little because I was, I was trying to buy a T3i and when I showed up, the guy like brought the camera out and he's like, yeah, it's the T3i. And it said like T3 on the box and not T3i. Oh, yeah. And I was looking, I was like, it doesn't have a flip out screen, which was like huge for me. And he's like, oh yeah, like some of them just don't have it and this and that. Oh. And so I was like, oh, okay. And I was just like so excited to get my first DSLR. That... So for people that don't know, <laughs> a T3 is like Canon starter DSLR, like <laughs> yeah. the bare minimum, I oh, think, yeah. pretty much. Totally. Uh, then there's the the T, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six I, which is like the next level up from yeah. the bare minimum T3. Totally. Much, right? Yeah, yeah. Like the T3 is like an iPhone, you know, like an <laughs> iPhone know. 3 at this point. It's such an old <laughs> camera. And, and I got totally scammed, so I bought it because I was just so excited. And, you know, you can never really fall in love with something when you go to see it. You always have to kind of go in like... You know, you don't need it, and there's, like, other ones out there, but I was, like, 14, and I was, like, I need it, you know? So I was, like, oh, it doesn't have the flip-out screen, whatever. But So I overpaid for it, and I got scammed a little bit, but, I mean, I loved that camera, and I used it for for years, you know, and I I kind of destroyed it. Like, I I would use it in the rain and in the snow, and it it really held up for me. And so, um, yeah, I guess just, like, being able to to work, like, a part-time job at 14 was what like enabled me to kind of get that equipment and mm-hmm. um and as I started getting more and more into sort of photography and, and videography and filming my friends and stuff I was kind of like you know this is really expensive like I'm working really hard and I'm spending all my money on camera gear like this kind of sucks you know it's like yeah. this is not sort of like I can't do this in the long run if I just keep buying expensive gear just to shoot my friends skateboarding Um, and so I started to think you know like maybe could this camera just like pay for itself you know like if I could just work like one thing and and this camera could pay for itself that would be like the dream you know this is good this is where the story starts (laughs) yeah and so I started you know reaching out to people and being like hey like if you need anything you know I have a camera I know how to do video and I had a lot of you know practice like making videos and editing because I was so passionate about it right and so I was filming skateboard videos and I was editing skateboard videos and taking photos and so I was I was building that experience um and then yeah, and so I, I just asked I asked around a bunch of people and um, posting on Facebook and that kind of thing, just being like, hey, anyone, you know, want want to work with me? And um, it was hard to get, like, that first kind of project just because I was, I was maybe 15 or 16 at the time. I think I was about 16, 
and um, nobody would take me seriously. You know, I was like this skater kid, 16 years old, with a little camera who's just trying to, you know, work whatever he can, right? And so I started to think, you know, like, what could I really do to, like, differentiate myself and, and sort of, like, come forward as a professional and, and not so much like a skateboard kid who's 16, you know? And so um, I started getting into like steady cam work and I had a glide cam and I used that to get like really cinematic, stable, smooth shots. And uh, at the time that's like, nobody was really doing that. And, um, and it really made my work stand out. So I would show people like, hey, look at these shots. And, you know, it looked like it was on some kind of a drone or a track. And, you know, nowadays, like there's the motorized gimbals and stuff, which, you know, anyone can pick up and use. And, and it looks amazing. But back in the day before those, those um, gimbals, you know, it was like an art form just to use these things. And it was sort of like something that you would have to train yourself over the year um, to get good at. And so because of skateboarding, you know, I had that training with that with that equipment. And so um, I would show my work to people and they were like, oh, my God, this is insane, you know. And so that got me into like a few smaller projects here and there um, with like local businesses or sports teams and that kind of thing. And so I started like working these small projects for like let's say I think I started around like $15 an hour was my rate Mm -hmm. and at the time I was like this is insane because I was making $10 maybe less than $10 an hour working at the skate shop and 15 was like I thought I was a millionaire you know I was like (laughs) this is crazy you know like I'm making so much money and like I'm doing something that I loved and I was super passionate about it and yeah and that was the thing for me like you know just following my passions and so um, I like eventually the skate the skateboard sort of stopped doing so well um, just because like of sort of management and um, and I guess just demand really on skateboarding products it kind of started to fall off like over the years and so the skateboard shop closed down and they were laying people off and so I lost my job um, and I wasn't really getting enough photo video projects to just you know sustain and um, and I mean I would have been fine because I was like 16 and living with my parents and stuff right but when you go from like having money to like spend yourself to not having it, you know, you're kind of like, Oh my God, this sucks. Like Mm -hmm. I want to make more money, even though you don't need it. And so, um, as soon as I got fired, I, um, I applied to be like a snowboard instructor and I was like, Oh, there's no way, you know, that I'm going to get hired. But I was, I was chasing my passions, you know, cause I was like, Oh, okay. It's, I can't skateboard or I can't work at a skate shop now. Like, you know, what else do I love? Snowboarding. Right. So, um, so I would do like this, the seasonal kind of snowboard work and um, got into that. And, and it was really good because in the summertime, you know, I could work doing a lot of the video and photo stuff. And then in the wintertime, I was snowboarding. And that was usually the downtime for video because, you know, the city gets really ugly and, you know, it's cold. Nobody wants to like go outside and do anything. Right. So um, it, it was like the perfect thing for me, um, just being able to, to work both and be able to make money throughout the entire year. I mean, it kind of bridged my, like my low income time, um, with my, like my video kind of photo time, which wasn't high income at all, but it was income. Right. And so, um, yeah, like being 16 also, like you just don't have much time with like high school and stuff. Right. And, and making friends or going to parties. Right. So there were definitely like a lot of sacrifices that I made in other aspects of life to like accommodate those things. But I guess it was just like, what was more important to me was like following my passions and like skateboarding and snowboarding and that kind of thing. And not so much like partying and hanging out with friends and that kind of thing, which you know, like looking back, like sometimes I do wish that I had those experiences, but I'm also grateful for like where I am today. So yeah. And then, um, I guess to progress off that, 
you know, from 16 is when I started to like get better and better um, and sort of hone my craft and, and network more and, and gain more clients. And um, still it was very hard to get people to take me seriously, but I would try and present myself professionally and in emails, you know, I would try and be as professional as possible and, you know, sort of wear like, you know, professional clothing and, you know, people could see through me, you know, cause even, like at the end of the day, I was a 16 year old, yeah. you know? And so, um, but I was, I was able to get by and, and figure it out and, um, and make enough money to be like happy and, and to buy things and, you know, and not like your, your typical sort of 16 year old route, but, um, <laughs> it was just something that I was like really engaged in and really passionate about. Um, and after, after those experiences, like, and meeting all those people, um, I learned sort of when to say no and when to say yes, you know? Mm-hmm. And so like a lot of the time, um, I would just get projects and I would just say, yes, you know, I need money. So I was like, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. And I realized it, you get to a point where you can't do as great of work as you might do if you weren't doing as much, you know? Mm-hmm. So um, you can only take on so many new clients um, before like your work starts to diminish in other areas. And so you can only put so much focus into so many things, right? And so I was like, you know, I have so many clients, like this is, it's overwhelming maybe the best thing to do is increase my rate. And then some of those clients who I'm working with, they're not going to want to work with me anymore, but that's going to accommodate, you know, the clients who want to pay that rate more and I'm going to deliver better products for them, you know, and then I don't have to work as hard and, you know, and I can deliver better product. And so I guess that's sort of my ethos just going forward, like all the time now, you know, it's like, how can I limit the amount of projects that I'm working on so that the projects that I do work on, I can really invest myself and, you know, do the the best that I can for those projects. So like before it was, you know, kind of shoot everything, do anything. Mm -hmm. Um, And I guess throughout the entire process, it's, it's been about niching down and, and figuring out what am I passionate about and, you know, um, how can I deliver the best like product for those people um, and, and stay focused with them. And, you know, so um, the less clients that I can have really, the better. Um, and so just increasing the rate would sort of lower those numbers of clients and allow me to focus more with them and be more one-on-one and have more meetings and that kind of thing. So that was really huge in my development. And you can go too far with it for sure. There was times where, you know, I would overcharge and I would feel it because nobody is going to want to pay that. Right. So it's about finding that balance where you're like not too expensive, but you're not too cheap that you have like a thousand people flooding your inbox, you know? So figuring that out was definitely a struggle. Like, yeah. It's a good struggle to have. Yeah, no, totally. But I mean, how high can I go before people don't want to hire (laughs) me anymore? Like that's a pretty good question to have in business. A hundred percent. And I mean, there's there's a lot to learn from it and being freelance like by the time I was probably 18 I was doing it full time right and so there was That's there was a lot incredible. a lot to learn you know like in I would say Q1 for me was probably the slowest time of the year where I would make almost no income wow. and I didn't know that you know and so mm-hmm. coming into it I'm like expecting to make decent money like I was in the summertime and then in in Q1 I'm like making almost no money and I'm like oh my god like do I need to start like working another part-time job or something, right? Um, and now it's just something that I've learned like, okay, Q1 is gonna be slow. Like companies are figuring out 
what they want to do with their marketing budgets. Mm -hmm. You know, they don't know necessarily like what their plan is for the year. Like that's what they're kind of figuring out. And so I've now I take that time to like, I have a cushion for that period where I'm like, okay, that's going to be a slow month for me. So I need to have extra savings during that time. Right. And Mm -hmm. um, most of the work that, that happens for me is in the summertime. um, And, that was like a huge learning process for me because I, I was pretty broke, you know? I didn't realize that there was going to be this huge gap um, in the year and that's just not something that you experience with a job, with a normal job, right? Like you just, mm-hmm. you get paychecks and, and it's consistent, you know? It's not like all of a sudden in January and February, you're, you're just not yeah. getting paychecks, right? So it was something I had to really adapt to and, and learn from um, and it's something that like I always consider now, like, with my work and, and figuring out like when those high times are and those low times and how I can distribute my income throughout the year to kind of balance that out. So mm-hmm. um, being 18, uh, it's definitely a, a hard learning lesson, but a, a good one for sure in, in the long term, especially for any um, sort of freelancer or, or mm-hmm. business owner, right? So, yeah. yeah. Were you living on your own at that time when you went full-time into photography? Or was that like after you got full-time in photography and it started really getting really, really busy? Yeah, so um, I didn't start living on my own right away. I was staying with my mom for quite a while. And then um, I I started dating a girl in high school. And so we had been dating for quite a while. And we were like, you know what, let's just like move in together or whatever. Mm -hmm. So I did end up moving out um, a a few years after. But I was like quite into sort of my full-time phase at that point. Um, but yeah, again, like an, another big learning lesson, right? And um, yeah, definitely like a, an interesting process at, at that age. But I mean, a lot of people, you know, that I know now are, are moving out around like 18 to, to 21, right? And yeah. and it's a big step and you learn a lot and it's not something that they teach you in high school and it's not really something, for me at least, that my parents really talked to me about. It was more just like a, a trial and error, you know, and lots of mistakes were made. But I mean, you learn from those things, right? And, yeah. and you can adapt them to other areas in your life. So it, yeah, it was great. Yeah, and... Uh contrary to popular belief uh you can actually buy a home at 20 18 19 20 a lot of people think oh i'm so young i have no money i have no credit it's not possible it's possible i did it working at the at the grocery store yeah without any other income yeah it's absolutely possible if you just talk to the right people yeah no for sure 100 percent. it's it's awesome like i i i've talk to my friends about you before and you know and like i'm like oh he's like he owns his own house and stuff and people yeah yeah and people like don't believe it you know they're like i can't believe it people about me that's awesome you're awesome but i think it's super inspiring like it's definitely not something that i would have been able to do and um you know it it takes a lot of commitment to be able to do something like that you you could have done it You probably could have done it better than me, too, because you probably had more money. <laughs> I don't know. Probably not, though, just because it's it's a lot about, like, how you spend your money and, and, oh. and how you feel about <laughs> it. And, you know, I wasn't it's necessarily the most responsible with my money, right? So mm-hmm. I think that's what I lacked, you know, during that mm-hmm. time was I wasn't as smart with my money. I, I liked, you know, having, like, nicer things and, you know, going, like, on a, like different trips and and that kind of thing and you know that diminishes your money very quickly right so I didn't have a ton of savings um so I wouldn't be able to put like a down payment or anything like that you can Um, borrow that's true you can borrow they're tightening Um, up on the down payment borrowing but yeah 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 for sure possible it's harder 
totally but totally yeah no 100 percent. but yeah no good good on you for doing that because yeah it takes a lot especially at that age to you know be that mature and that that responsible to be able to save your money and you know everyone wants to like own the nicest clothes and the designer stuff and go to parties and drink expensive <laughs> alcohol you know but to be able to like instead save that money for something you know that's going to support your future i think it's like wow. really really huge you know thank yeah. you very much all right so marketing your business when you were growing your business mm-hmm. what was the best thing you did to get new clients is it you know word of mouth uh social media marketing yeah i would say like for me my primary growth was word of mouth um so i would shoot like a project for a client and then you know they would use it on their website or that kind of thing and another client would see it and and be like oh where did you guys you know get that video or whatever right so then they would reach out um through that client and i was also doing a lot of work with weddings Mm -hmm. um and so in the summertime i was shooting probably one a week and then you know you shoot a wedding and uh, so someone there's also getting married and they're <laughs> like, Hey, you know, I'm getting married next month. Like, wow. can I have your business card? Right. So, um, yeah, I would like, I would just like buy like two to 500 business cards and I make them, you know, as, as premium as possible, get like the thickest, nicest paper and, mm-hmm. you know, do a custom design on them and everything. And I would distribute those and I would just give them out as much as I could, you know, like at any time I would meet someone, I would give them a business card. Um, and that was like the biggest thing for me in terms of like, building new clients and having that face-to-face connection and mm-hmm. um yeah like for me word of mouth was was everything like i would say probably 90 percent of my work came from word of mouth and then um i was also working on social media um at the time as well but it wasn't as big i guess as, as it is nowadays right mm-hmm. and so it was a little bit of a smaller focus for me but as it started to grow more and more um it started to sort of transfer the like sort of the value of social media for me started to outweigh um, word of mouth so it was like more people were coming from social media than from word of mouth and that was really great and I like most of my clients were coming from social media but the dangerous thing about that is you know social media like can change so quickly right so it it was great, but it was also like an unhealthy thing for my business because I was relying too much on social media at that point mm-hmm. because all my clients were coming from there and I started to neglect other areas like my website and, you know, and word of mouth. And and so everything was so focused on social media and it was like my portfolio essentially mm-hmm. where clients would see the work there and they would just, you know, they would just trust me and, they, and believe in my product and my services. Um, whereas like before with word of mouth, you know, it was like this whole thing where, you know, you had to pitch like the idea and, you know, show my demo reel and my website and here's the projects that I've worked on and sort and of the outcomes. And then it was money. just here. Yeah, here's my money. I've seen your, your work on social media. Wow. You know, I trust you. And and that was great, but it did it, it had a huge like negative impact when sort of social media started to slow down and like people were, were reaching out less and less as my like my social media audience got like broader I guess you can say so mm. it was less like client focus and more just like different people who are interested in sort of um, what I'm doing on social media or the adventures that I'm on and stuff and wow. those people aren't you know paying clients who need like video services here in Edmonton right and so um, I was like oh my gosh you know like all my clients are gone like social media now is just like a bunch of people who are interested in in my work and not so much clients who are interested in my work so 
um, social media was definitely like it was a it was a big shift and I realized that I shouldn't have put all of my coins sort of in one basket mm-hmm. I think it's really important to diversify like where your clients are coming from and not just rely on like one stream because you know any day now Instagram or Facebook could be no more you know like <laughs> And if, and if your whole audience and, you know, network is built around that platform and it, and it shuts down, like that's your whole business, right? So being able to have, you know, word of mouth and, and different social media platforms, not just Instagram, not just Facebook, you know, Mm -hmm. being on LinkedIn, being on Twitter, like those are huge things that, you know, give you that, that sort of backup and, and multiple sort of streams of income. Um, Just because like for me at the time, I was just on Instagram and, all my business was coming from Instagram, you know, but, but as, you know, as my Instagram grew more broad, it just like, it wasn't sustainable anymore. And I was like, what am I supposed to do? So when you got more followers, less people started reaching out specifically to you for services. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Is it because they thought you were like out of touch or that you're not? I think it was more like I wasn't advertising my video stuff as much so I because it was more of like a personal Instagram page Mm -hmm. and so I was posting like things like mountains and Mm -hmm. um, and skateboarding and that kind of thing and so as I I started shifting from like that client side of it and it became more of a personal Instagram it, it I wasn't targeting the right people anymore and so um, the focus of the ins- of my Instagram uh, and social media just shifted. And um, I kind of branched off into two separate brands at that point um, because I was like, you know, my, in- my personal Instagram is no longer about clients. It's, it's more about like me personally, right? Mm-hmm. So I-, I created like a production company then um, called The Main Concept. And then I was operating as The Main Concept. And I, I started building a new social media around that. Um, and that started to like, provide more clients again through Instagram but I was aware then like you know I don't want to just rely on Instagram so I was still posting around like other other places on Facebook on my website um, doing you know Google ads that kind of thing Kijiji really any anywhere that I could be you know I was trying to be and so um, yeah I guess the biggest takeaway for me was definitely diversifying um, your your income and, and where you find your, your clients and not just being reliant on one source because, you know, it can really, you know, take a full 180 at any at any point, right? So, That's very true. Yeah, and then um, I guess with the production company, as it started to grow um, and I was working with a small team of friends uh, to produce these videos, um, I started to kind of... my I, I became less passionate about what I was mm. doing, so... Um, I was shooting all these commercial videos, you know, and I and I was reflecting upon my values and, and thinking like, you know, this was really fun for me at the start. Mm-hmm. And I was being like creative and, and expressing, you know, like this, this artistic form, right? But as time progressed, I was like, you know, this is really like rinse and repeat for me, you know, like I'm going in, yeah. this is what I need to do. I get that done and I edit it and, you know, and deliver to the client. And it, and it started to lose that creativity for me. And so the passion started to run out and I was like, you know, maybe this isn't what I want to focus on. And so I started to sort of expand into like doing what I loved again. So skateboarding and, and mountains and, you know, mm. like shifting my values and my passions and, and trying to reevaluate um, like what it is I'm doing and why I'm doing it. And I think for me, that's, 
that's the biggest thing, you know, like, why are you doing this? Are you, you know, passionate about it? Can you see yourself doing this in the long, in the long run? Right. And so, um, you know, I really readjusted then and I, I started changing the way I post and I stopped doing the, the main concept because I was like, you know, I don't really want to do that in the long term. So maybe I shouldn't do that, you know, because mm-hmm. if, if I want to be in the mountains and shooting mountain related content and, and that kind of thing, having local business videos is not going to, you know, land me those clients. It's going to land me more local business clients, right? <laughs> yeah. So um, I guess it was more just like shifting my portfolio to reflect what I wanted to shoot. And so I never really got paid for a lot of that work, but mm-hmm. just having that portfolio to be like, this is what I can do in this environment, you know, and then showing that to those types of clients, that's what like got me into sort of my current niche, which is like adventure photography and um, and filmmaking, right? So um, it was it was a, a rough transition because you know you go from making pretty good money doing um, local video production to going to the mountains, spending lots of money for hotels and gas and travel and food um, and not having any clients, right? Because nobody's hiring me for that stuff, right? So, but it's like, if I want to get those types of clients, I need that type of content, you know, not Mm -hmm. what I'm currently doing. So, so was that a big financial decision? It was definitely that risk. Yeah. It's like the leap of faith. It is a leap of faith. You have to invest your money into the new type. Totally. And hopefully get new clients. For, for sure. Type, eh? Yeah, no, 100%. Like, it's definitely a big wow. risk. But I mean, if you're passionate about it, and you want it hard enough, and you work hard enough, you know, you can you can achieve your goals, right. And so uh, I just knew, like, I'm never going to get these types of clients if I don't do this, right. Wow. So for me, it was like, I didn't even really think about it. I was like, you know, this is what I'm going to do, because that's what I want to do, right. So mm-hmm. again, like just being such a passionate person, I was like, this is what I want. Like, I'm going to go after that, you know? And so I really just dropped everything. And I was like, so I think that was like 2018 where I decided that that's sort of the route that I was going to go. And I just completely shifted my business, you know, closed the main concept. And I was like, this is what I want to focus on. Right. And so I think like you really have to sort of question your values and, and what you're passionate about and really go after, you know, those sort of those things that bring you joy, I guess. And, um, and yeah, if you're really passionate about it and you're, you're really invested in it, like people see that and people enjoy like, you know, that that sort of passion like reflects off onto other people. And and it kind of, I guess, yeah, just like increases your value in that in that genre or community. Right. And so mm-hmm. um, you can just really build like connections off other people and, and network. But yeah, it is definitely a big risk. Like it's yeah, I be- yeah, I believe the uh, the passion part is priceless mm-hmm. hiring somebody that's passionate about what they do is priceless because mm-hmm. if somebody is passionate about what they're going to do they're going to be the one that overcomes the obstacles and enjoys overcoming the obstacles they don't give up when there's an obstacle they persist and they persist and they persist because they love it you know people that love the the hard parts of the job mm-hmm. like a particular job the particulars of that job that everybody else hates, if you enjoy it, you're going to be one that stands out amongst the crowd and overcome the obstacles. In the creative field, it's a whole nother level because creative is like creative. Like it's not black or white. It's 100% flexible. 
so the obstacles are like just constantly different right like every time it's different obstacles 100 percent. Right. yeah i think like being passionate about about your job or what you do um you know you just you just perform better like absolutely if you if you hate you're your happy. job you're not gonna you know be as passionate about it you're not gonna put as much work into it yeah. whereas if if you love it and it doesn't even feel like work for you and you just come and and you know you're enjoying it and you're having fun you're gonna be putting out your best work and your best effort yeah. just because you're so passionate about it you know it's not even like a job you just love doing that right like regardless if I was making money or not, I would be out there shooting photos, you know? Yeah. That's amazing. And so I think like really if I'm out there shooting for a job or if I'm, if I'm just out doing my own thing, like I love it. Right. And so I think I, I feel like everyone should love their job in that way where they would be willing to do it whether or not they were getting paid. You know, I think like, okay, now there's people (laughs) listening, thinking this guy is on Mars. (laughs) There's, there's people, I can just hear the audience thinking, this guy sounds like he's never worked a real job in his <laughs> life or had to do anything he didn't like. I can just hear the listeners thinking that. Yeah, I mean... Thinking I, it sounds so cushy. <laughs> They're thinking, what's the catch? Yeah, I mean, I guess like there, so there is the a catch for sure. And the catch is that you have to make sacrifices in other mm-hmm. aspects of your life. You know, mm-hmm. for me, like as a kid, I gave up a lot of my childhood. I gave mm-hmm. up, you know, partying. I gave up friends there was a lot of sacrifices that were made, right? And so I, I, I didn't have very close friends and I still don't have very close friends. You know, like I do have a handful of, of good friends, but you know, not like some of my other friends, you know, they have like your best friend and that kind of thing. Like I don't, I don't necessarily have that, right? And so mm-hmm. there, there were a lot of sacrifices that had to be made, you know, to make, to make it work. But I think like for me, it, that was what was important for me. You know, it was developing my like career I guess and my passions and and chasing after those things just because in the long term you know I'd rather be doing something that I love than Mm -hmm. you know making a really big paycheck but just absolutely hating life you know couldn't agree more yeah I think it's really important to sort of chase your passions and and whether or not that involves you know risk or um you know going maybe against the grain or what you know people might not agree with you you know my parents didn't really agree with me from the start and and it's something, you know, that like you, you just have to fight for your passions and, and know what you want and and just go after those things, you know, like it is difficult and, um, you know, it's not it's not all roses and butterflies. And mm-hmm. there was a lot of struggles. And and yeah, like it's definitely not the easiest thing. But if, if you really want it and uh, you're really passionate, I think, yeah, anyone can really achieve that. I agree. Who are your inspirations? Oh, that's a great question. Um there's so many honestly but i would say some of the bigger ones would be um i really love chris burkard he's an adventure photographer who Mm -hmm. shoots a lot of surfing um he's based in california as well and uh he's a huge inspiration for me just his work is is absolutely stunning and and he doesn't really edit his photos very much and um, and they just look incredible you know and i would love to achieve that that level and and the amount of freedom he has and the traveling he does and um, you know, he has a family, which is just insane to me that he can travel wow, so much and impressive. and have a family, you know. And so, um, yeah, that's really something. He's someone I really look up to. Um, another person, I guess, would be uh, Alex Stroll is another photographer who, who he lives in Montana and he's another big inspiration for me. He managed to create a network of like a community of photographers who are also outdoor photographers. Mm-hmm. And he's made like a workshop, like an online workshop kind of wow. portal. 
and I think that's really awesome. Like I love sort of the teaching aspect of it mm-hmm. and the community that he's built is really impressive and um, something that I would love to achieve one day. Like you've taught some, some classes. Yeah. I have taught some workshops before, workshops. Um, and I love I love teaching and and sort of providing knowledge and sharing mm-hmm. um, sharing the the beta I guess you can call it would be the climbing term. Um, and yeah, just like, I guess, enabling people to, to get outdoors and, and to take photos or videos or do what they love. You know, I think, um, yeah, like knowledge is, is a huge resource and, and one that I, you know, I hope to like help other people with, you know, if they're, mm-hmm. if they're struggling in a certain aspect that I can help them with. And, you know, I also hope that people will help me when I, you know, I don't know a lot of things. And so reaching out to people who I look up to or um, who I know have like better knowledge in that area. Um, yeah. Just being able to like rely on those people to provide that information and knowledge is, is crucial and, and a huge part of sort of networking. Right. And mm-hmm. so I think, yeah, I guess I just hope to like pay it forward eventually to all those people who have helped me grow and, and yeah, to be able to provide this, like the same amount of knowledge to someone else eventually. So if someone out there is, let's say they work on a job they hate, nine to five, they're making the bare minimum money, uh-huh. only enough to pay their bills. Yeah. And they're already living as cheap as possible. Uh-huh. Okay. And they're working, I don't know, some job that, you know, a dead end job that they're not happy at. Mm-hmm. and they just have no additional income but they really want to start a business and they want to succeed and they want to make a difference what's your advice yeah i mean that's that's definitely really tricky because you definitely have to survive and mm-hmm. you know um i would say for me at least what i would do in that situation is really try and reduce my expenses mm-hmm. you know is there anything i can do you know stop like eating out is a huge one that's super expensive you know when you break down um I would say just break down your your monthly costs. Like, how much are you spending on food? How much are you spending on clothes, rent, electricity? You know. What if you're literally your at the bare budget. minimum, though? If you're you're, at, you're already spending the bare minimum. You're spending the you're bare minimum. You're living on ramen noodles and water. Okay, yeah, yeah. I would say like get a roommate. You know, like live with more people. You're already doing that. You're already doing if that. You're I would say full time job. You're, you know, you got you got to find another job. You got to start <laughs> applying and yeah. and figuring out a way to earn more income. Yeah, you we're, know? we're and, in this in this country, the income is pretty good. Yeah, I would like say. Like a lot of people say, fifteen dollars an hour isn't enough. If you think fifteen dollars isn't enough, you're delusional. Yeah, yeah, I would say there's always there's always opportunity to save money or make money, and I like sometimes it feels like you're at the bare minimum, but a lot of the time, like there's mm-hmm. things that you can adjust in different areas. Like everyone has yeah. something that they always. spend too much money on, you know, yeah. and. And there's areas where you can definitely make sacrifices. And I think it's about figuring out like what your values are and mm-hmm. and whether or not you're willing to make those sacrifices. Right. And so um, and even like reaching out to like friends or anything to see if there's any like better places you can be in um, or like cheaper rent, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but, yeah, lots of different opportunities or grants, you know, that kind of stuff, because mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of like resources that are out there and available it's really just about like finding them and and lowering your costs and and saving money you know like i'll i'll usually take uh every paycheck and and a certain percent of percentage of it i'll just put away into savings right and Mm -hmm. that was huge for me at the start because that allowed me to get through those those ups and downs of of freelance and and running a business right because it's it's unpredictable with a nine to five you know you're 
your your paycheck amount and you know that's going to come in every two weeks or every month right but when you're running your own business that's not the case and a lot of businesses they actually don't make money in the first couple of years right so you definitely Mm -hmm. need to have that cushion um, yeah. But I mean, yeah, you could take out a loan or, or that kind of thing, right? Yeah. Like you so about. 90%, they say, what is it like 90% of businesses fail within the first, what is it, two years or something? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I believe that's for a reason. Mm-hmm. And that if you really are doing something you're passionate about and doing, you know, performing at that uh, business mm-hmm. the best you can, you're in the 10%. If you're passionate, you're already in 10%. And if you do the research and your homework and get educated and know what you're doing, you're in the top 1%. And I don't think you should fail unless it's, you know, what do you think? Yeah, I would say as... Like, why do most people fail in business? I mean, yeah, that's that's a really tricky one. I would say definitely a lot of it has to do with like passion and commitment and expectations and yeah, and greed for sure. Um, a lot of it is, yeah, is definitely, yeah, I would that's say expectations. People definitely, you know, they go into it thinking they're going to make a lot of money or, or whatever, and it's not going to be much work, and I'm going to be a business owner, and I'm going to be in charge of my own schedule, and they think about all these great things about being a business owner, but to they don't that. consider the negatives, you know? Like, yeah. you're going to be working, like, tons and tons of extra hours, and you're not getting paid for those. You're the business yeah. owner, right? So, like early on in the in in the first like kind of stages of, of creating a business you know like you are grinding you are 24 7 working basically mm-hmm. and you're not getting paid for that right so that's right it's there's a lot of negatives that people don't consider and i think um if your expectations are too high and you know you're not meeting those expectations you know you're gonna get burnt out you're gonna get disappointed right and so that's gonna take away from your business right so I think you you really have to go in with no real big expectations and just kind of accept things for their face value right and yeah and yeah and then that way you know you're not gonna be as disappointed when you're not you know making 100k in your first year or whatever right like yeah you just have to like do what works for you and, and do your best at it and, and don't, you know, I mean, it's definitely great. You need to have goals for sure. But um, how do you set goals? How do I set goals? I would say I set goals based on. on do you set goals like as in do you write them down anywhere? Like, yeah, yeah. Track them. Any like habit trackers you use? I don't vision have any board. like trackers per se. I definitely have like vision boards and, and mood really? boards that I create. Um, I do have like. I do write out my goals specifically and and I try to have goals that have very specific values, you know, Mm. like I don't want to just make more money next year. I want to make X amount more money next year, right? Like smart goal. Yeah, definitely something that's achievable and that Mm -hmm. that there's a value to that you can measure how much of that goal you've achieved or not, right? Because if you you just say, I want to make more money, okay, if you make a dollar more next year, that's more money, right? But how much more and like, if you want to grow your 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 social media like by how much more and mm-hmm. you know what can you do every day or every week to to grow towards that yeah, goal break right it down. so break it down every day you know if you want to make or if you want to grow let's say on social media to 10,000 followers right okay how like what would you need to do to get those numbers every day right so you can figure out like make the calculation and see okay i need to be growing like you know 10 a day or 20 a day right and and so how are you going to achieve that now right so i I usually take like a big goal and i break it down into sort of how i'm going to achieve it and what steps i'm going to take towards that and then i spend you know a certain amount of time every day working towards that goal 
um, whether it be a big or a small goal, um, and just always reevaluating those things, asking myself why do I want to achieve this, you know, and and how and and what. And I think it's really important to just always be questioning yourself and mm-hmm. and reflecting upon your values. What's the biggest thing you've overcome in your life? Well, that's a really hard question. I honestly have no idea. I guess. There's, there's just so many small things, I guess. I think it's just like the accumulation of the many like small struggles mm-hmm. and challenges and, you know, negative experiences with clients and, you know, everything that's kind of built up me up to where I am today. And I mean, I still have tons to learn. I'm, you know, I'm super young and, um, and naive. And so I think like the, the more I can learn and the more of those obstacles I have, sort of the stronger that I, I will be. And I wouldn't say there's like one grand obstacle but it's just like a summation of all of those obstacles that equate to that huge, yeah. you know, that huge challenge. Because it's definitely not been easy and it's not been beautiful. But, you know, I've loved the process and, and it's been a struggle, but it's been a good one that I've learned a lot from. So, How about your greatest accomplishment? Oh, greatest accomplishment. I would say that's that's another tricky question that I that I have never really sort of asked myself. But I guess my greatest accomplishment is just being able to do something that I love and you know whether or not like I'm making the most money Mm -hmm. um or you know I think like to me the most important thing is just doing what I'm passionate about and whether my passions change or whatever like I want to be able to adapt to those things right and so Mm -hmm. for me that would be my biggest accomplishment is just doing what I love and what I'm passionate about and and being able to sort of figure figure things out as they come and 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 adapt because there's you know you constantly have to be changing in in the environment today and and be willing to change and um yeah for me that's that's my biggest accomplishment you are (laughs) marketing manager at arcteryx right yeah so i've done some marketing with them uh yeah for sure i would say like a lot of it is kind of smaller local brand strategy type stuff but it's mostly social media and and event um curation i guess you can say so um, I work with like the team in Vancouver and, and they develop a lot of the, the sort of bigger brand strategy kind of concepts. And then I'll work to develop local strategies that work well, you know, with the Edmonton market and, and the sort of core sports that are Edmonton and, you know, sort of what people are passionate about here versus on like a global scale. That's and so, so great. yeah, so we would curate different events like in the River Valley or, you know, with local gyms or that kind of thing to sort of create like an experience for for their customers. That's what businesses need to do. Totally. Even grocery stores, these big mammoth chains mm. are getting pushed out because they're not doing those things. Yeah, I, I think like being local is is huge. You know, people more and more are wanting to support the local community and and buy local products. And and if you can put your business out um, and and be a part of the community and and you know host events mm. and that's where you're really going to build your presence. You know, when you yeah. look at companies like Lululemon who are doing that really really well. You know, Lululemon's got like their their local events and their local runs on Strava and stuff. And wow. they've built this incredible community of passionate individuals, but they've replicated it on a global scale, you know, wow. like wherever you go in, in different cities, like across the U S and Canada, at least, you know, there's different clubs and, and events and people are super engaged and they have, you know, different things in their store where they talk about like, here are the best things to do in Edmonton wow, and that kind of thing. Amazing. I think that's huge for a business. Right. And, and just being a part of the community, it's, it, you know, it's it's less about being a brand and more about getting it involved and, you know, telling a story and, and being, being, I guess, part of the community, really. 
that's yeah. like could not possibly agree more that's amazing <laughs> so let's say there's some small business owners looking for some marketing tips and tricks what are your marketing advice to people just tips tricks social media for the person starting a business you got to do you know marketing marketing is about sales i look at sales as going out to the people and marketing as providing what the people need and letting them come to you but making sure they know about it and doing it in a helpful way not an interrupting way for sure so what's your advice to people that are marketing businesses yeah i mean that's tips tricks best strategies what's worked for you <laughs> yeah like definitely that's it's a very broad topic and it's i think it's very topic. very specific to you know your business um and what kind of products or services you're providing but i think the most important thing with marketing is just providing value to your customers and and sort of being aware of like what their needs are and and mm -hmm. what their wants are and you know um i guess like yeah, that's a really tricky question. I think like with marketing, it's really important to just understand the customer and, you know, not be super salesy and pushy and just figure mm -hmm. out sort of what they want and then provide that and, and even more than that, right? Like mm -hmm. over delivering and, and, you know, under promising is definitely yes. something that I've, mm. I've been like sort of pushing my, my entire like career, I guess you could say. Mm -hmm. um, and, and yeah, just providing more value than, than is expected and going above and beyond is really what's yeah. going to put you, you forward. Right. So I think that's really huge in marketing and, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm really struggling to think of <laughs> it's think a pretty of broad right topic. Yeah, it is. Just be authentic. I'd be say, authentic yeah. for sure. It's yeah. Huge. Be authentic and, and be involved, you know, like if, if you're just putting out ads and, you know, like, people don't really care. You know, you, you see, you see thousands of ads every day, mm -hmm. right? Like what are you going to do? That's going to stand out and, and provide value and, you know, engage yeah. with people, talk to people, create a community. You know, it's, it's yeah. more than just, than just ads nowadays. It's, it's about developing, I think a community and a brand and, yeah. and how you appear, you know, if, if you're just, you know, throwing out ads onto Facebook or Instagram, like that's, that's not really enough. You know, it's yeah. about like connecting with your customers, talking to them one-on-one. On one real and estate, Instagram page. Yeah. Almost no ads. Yeah. Yeah. It's all re my goal is for it to be relatable stuff, interesting stuff and conversation starting stuff. Yeah. yeah. You might see in the caption, Oh, Hey, we, we can do this. That's like once in a blue moon. I don't want to litter people's, feeds on Instagram totally. with ads. Totally. There's enough of that garbage. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think so. yeah, starting a conversation is huge. That's mm -hmm. th that's what I would say is really the most important thing is starting a, a conversation with your customers and also targeting the right people, you know? Uh, you you need to like target the people that that are most persona. likely to yeah, to yeah. buy your product. If you, if you're going after like a huge audience that, you know, isn't going to buy your product, that you know, you're going to have diminishing returns on that. Like mm -hmm. you're, you're spending a lot of money for ads that aren't really going to, you know, get you any clients. Right. So yeah. you, you definitely have to focus and, and figure out who your audience is and, and what they want and, and listen to them and talk to them and, and sort of figure out, yeah, like what's most important, I guess. Okay. So where would you like people to follow you and learn more about you? Yeah, if you'd like to sort of check out my work and, and my life and, and what I do, the best place would be um, Instagram, at Eric Shio. So that's um, at E-R-I-C-S-H-I-O. Um, or you can also go to my website, which is just ericshio.com. All right. Well, do you have anything else to say to the listeners? 
I would say just like, thank you so much for having me. And it's been great to sort of talk about my life and process and, you know, just kind of think back and reflect on, on what's brought me to where I am today and, um, and sort of the ups and downs of that. And yeah, I really appreciate you, you know, taking the time to do this and, yeah, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Hopefully we'll have you back. 100% it was great totally. Great speaking with you.